How are we doing, Distance fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. I'm joined, joined by my co-hosts, Aiden and Neil. And yeah, we're back. What's up, guys? How y'all been? Chilling. <laughs> yeah, bro. Not, not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neil, I heard you were in San Diego. Yes, sir. Yep. In San Diego for a week. So nice to be back um been looking at the rest of the summer league but mm. yeah no it was nice bro san diego let me tell you the weather out there too nice like 78 degrees every day mm-hmm. wish we had that in michigan yeah but we do got the detroit pistons so uh <laughs> no so let's get into it let's like wrap up kind of the summer league and like some pistons news first let's just talk about hamadou diallo uh so Hamadou Diallo re-signed with the Detroit Pistons two years, I believe somewhere in like 10.6 million, somewhere in that range. I don't really have it on me, but overall, like a really team-friendly contract. The, the contract actually has a team option after the first year, which is really surprising. I think a lot of people expected him to do a one plus one type of deal. What were you guys' initial thoughts when you saw the signing? Uh, yeah, we can just, whoever wants to go with it. I mean, I guess I guess I guess it was expected. We kind of expected that he would resign. It was just a matter of when. And I don't know. I mean, he played well at the end of the season. So that that's good. That's that's what uh we're hoping he can continue to do um as the season moves on. But uh I don't know. I, I mean again, like we expected it. Uh, obviously, the the roster spots are like the biggest question, but I don't know. It's it's good. It's a solid signing. We we didn't expect any like massive like big time signings or them to make any big splashes in free agency, especially uh, this year with the free agency like the the free agents not being like super strong, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Well, what, what do y'all think? Yeah, um, I thought that I thought it was a great re-signing. Um, I mean, honestly, it's such a good contract for Detroit. Like, it's so team friendly, like you said tonight. Like two years, ten point four total. Like, you know, five mil a year. That's a great deal for someone like Hamadou Diallo, who averaged eleven point two points last year. Um, and I think to get the team option on the second year, that's even better. It's just it's even more team friendly. So. I don't see them, you know, not picking up the team option next year, but in the event that somehow he's playing awful and maybe, I don't know, we need to create more cap space for another player in free agency, then that helps. But I thought it was a great resigning. I thought Diallo had to be one of the top priorities for Detroit going into the free agency. And so to get a guy who averaged 11.2 points a game, 5.4 5.4 assists. Um, he actually shot 39% from three, which a lot of people don't realize. And that was on like two attempts per game, which is actually, it's solid. It's not a lot, but if he can start shooting the three like that more, that's going to be huge for Detroit. Cause then you can pair him up with Cade. Um, you can pair him up with Killian too. And that takes the pressure off of them and it helps them go into their playmaking role that they both thrive at. So I thought it was a fantastic re-signing. The question now for Detroit is I'm pretty sure with this, they're at 15 roster spots in terms of players. And that's not counting the three second round picks. And that's not counting uh Pickett from the summer league. 
And so the question for Weaver is now, do you cut someone? Do you trade someone? Or do all the second round guys start in the G League? You know, what's going on with that? So that'll be interesting to see. Oh, yeah. So actually to like go off of that. So the Pistons are actually in a position now entering training camp. They do actually need to make a roster move. So they need to get rid of one player. So what I've what I've been hearing, it's or what I've been looking around. It looks like we have to choose between either Sekou Dumbuya, Jalil Okafor, or, jo- or maybe Josh Jackson. But one of those players probably is going to go. I think the most uh, likely thing that's, that's going to happen is probably Jalil Okafor is going to get waived. But I mean, would y'all be surprised if like, the Pistons, like they traded Sekou Dumbuya, I guess, for like a second round pick. Cause you know, he had, he out of many players, like in the summer league, like he really struggled in my eyes. Like he also missed the the rest of summer league due like personal reasons, which is, which is completely fine. But, you know, I felt like he really had the most to prove in summer league. He's really fighting for a roster spot. And like, I don't know, like, I, I honestly am not going to be surprised if Troy Weaver decides to keep Jalil Okafor, you know, Jalil Okafor is good, good offense, good post player. But, uh, you know, Seiko is just kind of, he just doesn't seem like to fit with the roster. What do y'all, what do y'all think about that and like what they may do? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Seiko, his biggest asset in terms of like, uh, like being traded is his age. I think him being super young still will help um, gain interest in teams and convince teams to uh to take him for maybe like a second round pick something like that but i mean yeah i think josh jackson uh played all right last year and definitely upped his value from what it from what it was um before they signed him because obviously he was a number four pick however many years ago so like yeah big expectations and then he fell off hard but um yeah i think i think they could get something for either one of those guys. I don't know how much they'll get for Okafor. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know how much teams look into uh, the the Olympics, but he 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 was all right. Um, when or like also because they the um, Nigeria beat Team USA too before the Olympics as well, and he was on that team. So I don't know how much teams look into that. But that could up his value. He's also the number three pick in 2015. Don't forget that, too. He's got that going for him. Right, right. So, I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, I think at this point, I'm not sure if any of the second-round picks will make the team this year. Uh, maybe, Maybe Luca Garza played his way into making the squad. But, uh I'm not sure. What do you What do you guys think? I mean, I think Isaiah Livers does make make the team. Um, I think he's so NBA ready with his shot um, and also his defense on the perimeter that I could definitely see him making the team. I think honestly, and it, it might sound stupid, but I think one guy that Weaver should just cut is Rodney McGruder, um, and it, honestly, it wouldn't be that uncommon. Or weird for Troy Weaver to do that to basically like right after re-signing a guy you cut him because I mean Troy Weaver made a trade last year for Dwayne Dedman um, and trade or and cut him right after and so that's twelve point five million of dead cap space for last season and this upcoming season so I could see him cutting someone like Rodney McGruder honestly Corey Joseph too though I do like Corey Joseph a lot more than any of the other vets I think he's a great leader for these guys. And he has quite a bit to 
you know, still put to the plate because um, he's been solid. Jaleel Okafor, I could see being cut um, just because, I mean, he's he's relatively old and not really doing too much. I would be surprised if Seku got traded this early in the season, but I don't think it would be an awful decision by Troy Weaver because I just don't think we're seeing enough from him. And like we said in the summer league, to be fair, he looked fantastic defensively. Um, I mean, his lateral quickness really looked like it got a lot better in the summer league. And in general, his overall um, rim defense got a lot better in my opinion. However, offensively, he's just still not there. And so I could see them trading him. I don't think it would be a bad decision. Try to get some value back for him while you can possibly. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's just, it's a little weird because they just have so many guys. And so even if you do cut one of these vets or trade Seku, you're still at the limit. And, you know, at that point, you're not even bringing in Livers, Garza, or Pickett. And so there could be possibly one or two moves going on. Um, and that'll probably happen towards training camp, if anything. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting. We'll see. Yeah. One final note I did want to say about Hamadou Diallo resigning was he got kind of like the Dennis Schroeder treatment where I think uh, teams, you know, they used up their cap space very early in free agency and kind of hampered his ability to get like a larger contract. So in some ways, I don't know if that may have been on his agent. Like, I guess they were unable to. I think Troy Weaver probably said, hey, you know, you go out there. If you can get an offer, we'll see. We'll match it. And I guess they were just unable to do it. So I think that's also like a really big reason why Detroit got that team friendly contract. So good on the Pistons. It all worked out. I didn't I honestly thought Hamadou Diallo's agent is actually Christian Woods agents. And, you know, you all know how it went last year. <laughs> it just it just slowly it was we were going to sign him. Then, like, as it went on, it was like, OK, we're not going to sign him. That's how I thought was going to happen. But I'm glad to see Diallo back on the team and. Hopefully, yeah, we, we see some internal development like you guys have been mentioning. But now I kind of want to, if you guys are ready, we can switch the topic to uh, one of the bigger uh, parts of this podcast, talking about the documentary, The Malice at the Palace, The Untold Story. Um, yeah, what were y'all's initial thoughts from just like recapping just after watching? What, what, was the, what were your guys' takeaways from it? I thought it was pretty well done. I think the only thing, in my opinion, that was missing from the documentary was I wanted to see the Pistons perspective of it because I don't know. I think listening to just the Pacers kinds of kind of points one light on a whole story that needs multiple um, perspectives being shown, basically. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically I thought that, you know, they just talked to Reggie Miller. They just talked to Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, Steven Jackson and Ron Artest. And then to be fair, they did have Ben Wallace, but he was only in there for a little bit. And he was just talking about him, him right before the game and the altercation. And that was it. And so I think getting their perspective would have been helpful. I think it would have also been interesting to learn what the Pistons players were thinking throughout all of that, because they see their own fans punching these Pacers players and going after them and the Pacers going after their own fans. You know, I would have liked to learn what they were thinking in that moment and also walking out of the game because Ben Wallace got suspended for quite a bit after that game, too. And so, um, yeah, I think that would have been interesting to hear. One thing I'll say, though, is I feel bad for Jermaine O'Neal. I didn't know enough about that story. I didn't know also enough about Jermaine O'Neal, but it really seems like 
um, his career kind of took a turn for the worse when that happened. And I think one thing that people should appreciate about Jermaine O'Neal, as it was talked about nonstop in the documentary, was that he was a winner at heart. Like that's all he cared about. And so at least personally, I respect guys like that, that, you know, work extremely hard and everything's about winning. And so one quote that I found pretty funny actually in the documentary was after Ron Artest got back to the locker room, Jermaine started just shoving him and punching him because he was so mad at him for escalating the situation. And so I found that pretty interesting because I had never heard of that story. So I guess it just it shows the character that Jermaine O'Neal was, and he's all about winning. Um, and so I think that was kind of unfortunate for him. It, I was happy that he was able to tell his side of the story, though, and kind of in general for the players, give them a defense to what happened. All right. I got a few things about this documentary. So it kind of it kind of reminded me of two other 30 for 30 films where it, it reminded me of the Bad Boys one where they it kind of just showed like how they how they got this team together where they like you know obviously like they had Reggie Miller and then they made like a bunch of trades and then they got this team and they made the Eastern Conference Finals the year before and all that and then it also reminded me of the Orlando Magic is I think it's called One Magic Moment 30 for 30 about the like 90s Magic team but where they're just like we're the best team that never won a championship, which like it was kind of it was kind of complaining low low key though for the Pacers, where they're like, oh, we we were robbed of a ring, like all that kind of shit, because because uh, Ron Artest was suspended for the rest of the season. Jermaine O'Neal was suspended for a little while, like a, a, a couple other players got suspended too. But I will I will go off Neil's thing and say that. I did like Jermaine O'Neal's like story and I didn't really know anything about that. And, but I mean, I honestly don't even think the documentary should be named malice at the palace because it was really more about the Pacers and just like that team more so than anything else. And like, yeah, that was the incident that like broke everything up, but like they, they really talked about like how that team came together and stuff. And Reggie Miller is kind of a bitch for 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 this whole documentary because he like just well not he wouldn't criticize anyone from the Pacers organization and he was just a Pacers fanboy the whole documentary and like I don't know it it was just weird because he didn't even play in that game and like he talked about how one of the uh, security guards tried to get him off the floor. And stuff like he didn't even play. Like, why would why would he care? Um, or not care, but like, I don't know. It was just weird what his uh his view of it was. But yeah, it was just kind of weird, and it kind of just was a bad. It wasn't even a bad look for the Pistons, but they just tried to put it on the Pistons when in reality they should have put it on the media because the whole thing at the end was like. Well, yeah, the me- the media was making us look bad and, like, wasn't showing all the stuff. And they were, like, making us look like a bunch of, like, they, they said, like, they used, the, like, coded words, like, of, like, calling them thugs and, like, calling them, like, other, like, kind of, like, underlying, like, racist name, like, names kind of stuff. When 
like, but they kind of directed their hatred toward the Pistons more than anything else. And Ben Wallace even said, or I don't even know if Ben or Ben Wallace or Jermaine O'Neal, one of those two guys were like, yeah, we were friends, but like the fans didn't even know that. So it's like, why are you even blaming the Pistons for that? You should be blaming the media. You should be blaming the fans. It was just kind of weird, but I don't know. What did you think, Vinay? Yeah, no. So I like I'd heard a lot about the documentary and going into it, I wanted to go in like, oh, this documentary is going to suck. You know, it's going to be so biased. But I actually came away like, I don't know, kind of like a little bit more sympathetic for like the Indiana Pacers. And also, first, I just want to get this off. Like those fans that were like those Pistons fans, like they do not represent us as Pistons fans. I promise you, those are just complete douchebags. Like I honestly like that dude who like uh went up and tried to punch Ron Artest, like literally dead ass went on the floor with his like hands, like a fist. And I'm just, and he was just like, Artest punched me. And then he's like, oh, you know, it's a bitch move. I'm just like, you had it coming. Like you're literally going on the NBA court trying to fight Ron Artest. I mean, and you know, Ron Artest is like, you know, they talked about how he has anxiety and depression. Like he had, this is like, you're just asking for like disaster when it comes. So I just don't want to say like, I felt like part of this wasn't even like it wasn't even the Pacers versus the Pistons. It was like the Pacers versus the Pistons fans. And like you said, the media, that part towards the end where they were like calling them thugs. They were saying all oh, basketball is the hip hop sport. You know, I know I remember one part in the documentary. They're like, you know, these hooligans, they, they said hooligans. They said these hooligans can't act in a normal society. And, you know, just like it was just it was just like like you said, like just racist. And it was a very very just poor poor handling of the situation by the media and then also david stern too i didn't like he kind of sided with the fans and the media in that way with the suspensions and i can i can understand where like the paces are coming from you know they that was basically their team you know um they, they were i they did uh, they brought up an interesting point where it was just like that year where the pistons won the championship whoever won the eastern conference finals was going to beat the lakers apparently i didn't know that the lakers weren't as good like I thought the Lakers were supposed to were the super team and the Pistons you know beat all odds but apparently like it was the Pacers versus the Pistons that were the best teams so that was interesting but one of the one actually one of the last points I wanted to make about it was just like at the end I don't know if you guys noticed Steven Jackson when when Meta World Peace like after after this whole scenario and after like the suspension Meta World Peace or Ron Artest whatever you want to call him requested a trade and then Stephen A. Jackson or I'm calling Stephen A. Jackson Stephen Jackson was really <laughs> was really was was really uh mad about it and he was just like you know i i stuck up for you and then you're just gonna do that i wanted to see like them kind of like see if like they're on good terms now because you know i must feel for like yeah stephen jackson and jermaine o'neal like you guys were saying like you know ron artest um just left the team and he even called himself a coward for doing it and it was just it's just a terrible situation you feel bad for reggie miller too i know we were hating on him but you know he gave 18 years and he had a ring like i think he had a ring but they brought in too many of those personalities there where there's something like this was bound to happen and yeah i'm just glad we're in a we the nba today you know russell westbrook did get some popcorn thrown at him but we're not gonna get to like the malice the palace levels i'm glad like the nba is like a little bit more you know civilized and something like that happened the fans are held accountable not like the players i because i I came out of here thinking like, sure, that maybe suspensions. Yeah, obviously suspensions were needed, but like the fans should also be held accountable, which I thought was a pretty cool point for sure. Yeah, I was going to say just to add again, um, I felt like it was much more, you know, like Vinayak said, Pacers versus the media and Pistons fans, which I thought was a fair um, argument. 
because I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think that they were going after the Pistons players as much. Um, and I thought that um, the argument that they had with the media, like you guys were saying was fair because I mean, I hadn't seen those videos until the documentary of sportscasters like Bob Costa saying, you know, they're thugs. This is a thug league, blah, 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 blah. And that's, I think that's an important light to show on this story because, you know, the NBA, it's, it's, first of all, it's not really fair to call these players that, and it's not really fair to call anyone that first of all. Um, But I don't know. That was also just some small subset of the league and also of the Pacers in general. And then on top of that, I honestly thought a lot of this was on the Pistons fans, you know, that one guy threw the cup to run our test. And I kind of agree with the lawyer that they had on the documentary that I don't think everything else escalates as it did had that cup not been thrown. And so I don't know in that instance, I agree. I do think it was interesting how they had the Pacers GM on and he was literally saying kind of like you, you guys were saying that balancing all these personalities was kind of a risk from the beginning and that it was almost his fault and the Pacers fault that um, they did that. And that honestly, this whole thing happened because Ron Artest was not in the right mindset for that season. I mean, they were talking about how he was doing his album or whatever, right before that season. Um, he took a leave of absence, which he said was for a family member's funeral and, and ended up being for an award show. And so he wasn't in the right mindset. Steven Jackson is a tough guy. And so when something like that happens, you kind of know what's going to happen. And I don't know. Um, I thought that was interesting that the GM said that. The other thing I want to add, by the way, is that I thought that was complete cap (laughs) that Reggie Miller said that whoever was going to win the Eastern conference finals was going to win the NBA finals. That was just Reggie Miller, just trying to make himself and the Pacers feel better. The Lakers had Kobe and Shaq. And I get that. I get that that was the fourth year. Um, after the three-peat and that's it's it's extremely hard to keep it going like that but I mean come on the Pistons were billed the whole series as being complete underdogs people thought that the Pistons would lose in five they ended up winning in five of course but it wasn't like it wasn't like whoever was going to win that was going to win the series for sure so I don't know I the other thing I'll say is I do feel bad for Reggie Miller he should have won a ring but I did kind of feel like this whole documentary was honestly like Reggie Miller directing it because it kind of felt like a documentary for him and for him, his namesake kind of. No, I, I agree. I do think it was for Reggie Miller, but I will, I will, uh, I mean like Jermaine O'Neal. Yeah, he was really good, but you have to look back on that Pistons team. I'm pretty sure Ben Wallace won defensive player of the year that year. Like, you, you, they're talking about, oh, yeah, we would have won, like, a ring. We were robbed of one. But I was like, no. That, that, that Pistons team was good. And if they drafted Carmelo that year, I don't know. I'm not saying, like, they would have won a few more championships, but that seems to be a talking point on Twitter every two or three months. about. I mean, Carmelo's saying that right now. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, I mean, but Carmelo's been saying yeah. that. But, I mean, I will say I don't even feel bad for Reggie Miller not winning a ring because if you stay with a dog shit organization 
like the Pacers for 18 years, man, that's on you. Because honestly, I don't think the Pacers are that great of an organization. They're good enough to stay afloat and be like, you know, like make a playoff, like make the playoffs and stuff. But they don't sign like they they wouldn't sign a like they wouldn't sign an elite level player to play with him. They would sign only like one elite player, which is him. And I will push back also on the like personalities thing that uh, you two are talking about. I do think that to win a championship, you do need to have those type of personalities. Like having a Ron Artest and Steven Jackson are like, they are kind of a necessity. You need to have like a person who's just on your ass at all times. I don't know if you guys watch the um, show. It was like the show Chips with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. It came out like a week ago. But, like, you just need to have someone that's on your ass at all times. And Draymond Green was that dude for the Warriors. You look back on the Bulls team, you had, like, I mean, Jordan. But, like, I think, like, Ron Artest, obviously, his mental health is, like, a big deal and played a big role in um, in a lot of that. And I think him missing that stuff, obviously, like, they – like. Dennis Rodman did the same stuff. Uh, KD talked about Clay like skipping practice, and he was like, "Skip if if Clay skipped practice, we didn't care." Like, the, the, I think that I think I think the mental health around our test was a big part of that, and like him missing that stuff, I don't think that was as big a deal as Reggie Miller made it because Reggie Miller never was really on a championship team, so he went no. <laughs> But uh, not to take shots at Reggie Miller right now, but uh, but um, I think it was more of him in the heat of the moment, though. Which I mean, if he, if anyone else like gets a cup thrown at them like that, you're probably charging them. Like I, I mean, I don't know about you two, but like you're probably fighting someone like that. So I don't I don't blame him, but I do blame the Pacers for kind of putting all the Pistons though. Yeah, no, like, that's what I was thinking. Like, I just can't help but think about, like, the human nature element. Like, I know there's this whole argument, okay, they're professional athletes. They shouldn't come and, you know, attack fans. But, like, like you said, like, someone threw a chair at Jermaine O'Neal. Like, what are you supposed yeah. to do? Like, like, if someone throws a chair exactly. at you, like, of course you're going to get – or, like, a beer. Like, I mean, it's one beer is fine. But they were, like, when our test was walking off that floor, they were just dumping beers, throwing pop. They were doing everything. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean – yeah, no, it's definitely tough for the Pacers. I wish, though, they would just get all of them together and see if, like, they're all ch- – it kind of felt like they all had, like, their own separate stories, like Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, and we didn't see, like, how they feel, like, now. We Individually, we saw they felt, but, like, are they chill, like, to get – are they going to, like, hang out and stuff? Is, this, is that is like, Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest okay? Like, I do wonder about that. But, yeah, overall, I think it was a solid documentary, and, yeah, that – that, that's basically my thoughts. You guys have any final thoughts on the mouse at the palace? I was just going to ask, do you guys think if the pay, if that hadn't happened, um, or let's say it does happen and none of the players get suspended. So let's, let's just say the Pacers are at full health, no suspensions that year. Do they win the championship? Do they even make the finals? Cause the Pacers went back to the finals and, I think who they lost to the Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs. 
Yeah. I mean, Tim Duncan is putting Jermaine O'Neal in a blender. Like, that's <laughs> all I'm going to say. So I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. And Reggie Miller in whatever it was year 16, 17. I don't know. I just don't see it. Or was that his last year, 2005? I think that was his last year. Not, yeah, that was yeah. His last so year. like his his last year. So last year of Reggie Miller, and then yeah, I I just don't see it. Yeah, I think for me, like I I may push back because like in that game they were saying like they were like beating the Pistons pretty badly and they dominated. So like I wouldn't like they also they also played the Pistons in the playoffs like that year when they all got suspended. So I guess like and they lost in six without Ron Artest. So I. I would say they'd make the finals. I could see them. Like, I could see them making the finals. But like Aiden said, I mean, it's the Spurs. It's Tim Duncan. You know, Manu, I don't know if Manu Ginobili was on the team. I'm not, I'm not good with the with the years like that. But I know Robert Horry was on that team for sure. So, I mean, I think the Spurs would have probably won. But, I mean, the Pacers had a fair argument. They were a really solid team. And, yeah, I mean, I think, like, a lot of teams can – a lot of teams can say that. You could say the same thing about, like, the Rockets in, like, 2018, like, a really good team a very good team probably could have should have won the championship but just didn't so i mean that's but the whole point of the documentary was for everyone to throw a pity party for the pacers kind of yeah if you kind of look at it that's basically what it was yeah um yeah no speaking of pity parties if you guys are ready to move on jalen green uh, (laughs) that's a great transition let's let's get into this so jalen green uh interview with chris haynes uh comes out comes out and basically says, you know, I wanted to be the number one pick, but I didn't want to live in Detroit. And then he compared the he compared Detroit to the G League bubble where he would just come home. He would go he would go hoop and then come back home to his apartment. And that's it. Um, this is just coming three or four weeks. Like I think before the draft, literally a week before the draft, when there was literally a picture of him and GQ saying, I want to live in Detroit. Uh, yeah. What were y'all's thoughts when you guys saw this? I know Twitter had like a fun day with this. Like I I was on Twitter just scrolling and the, all the memes about Jalen Green were funny, but Twitter, Twitter is, nice. Twitter is still hot from that. Yeah. Cause he, he's been posting stuff. Like he, he played a song by Rio de young OG. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a Detroit rapper. Um, yeah, so yeah. Trolling. So yeah. So he's been, he's kind of been trolling like on his IG live and other things, but I don't know. I, I just let I'll let the, the the basketball do the talking if I'm Cade. Like, I don't know. I don't think there there needs to be, like, a dignified response to that. Just, like, let them, let them talk and see what happens. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And I don't know. When I saw it, I was kind of a little mad, honestly, and I think all Pistons fans were too because, like, Jalen Green's a great player, and you guys have heard me say this many times, like, and I think all three of us think he's going to be a fantastic player in the league. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like this dude, and, and he has a great, he, I don't know. I would say he has a great mentality. Like he has that dog mentality, but I think he's also, frankly, from the interviews, he's coming across extremely selfish. I mean, he got a question in his press conference after getting drafted of like, what is his, um, first big goal in the league or something. And he said to get a max contract. Kate said to win a championship. It's just, it's two different personalities. And so he's a great player. I think we all think he's going to be a great player and that's great for him. But I'm just saying, if he wants to win a championship and become an all-time great, 
he's going to need to start being more of a team player. And also, can he stop with the massive chip on his shoulder? He was the second overall pick. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. And he's, yeah, he literally said, I want to live in Detroit a month ago or right before the draft. And then now he's switching up on it. And it's all because everyone knew he just wanted the notoriety of being the number one pick as well as probably the money that comes along with that. And so again, great player, but I don't know. I think he's starting to rub a lot of people the wrong way with all these comments that he's making. And for honesty, someone like Kate, just, I wouldn't respond. I don't, he hasn't been saying anything um, with all the talk that's been going on. He's just been doing his own thing. And one thing I absolutely love about Cade and every interview that he's had, he is continuing to talk about his goals of restoring the Pistons franchise and winning championships with them and making everyone else better. That's what he's worried about. He was asked if his goal, his rookie year was to win rookie of the year. And he said, no, it was to restore the Pistons because that's, that's who Kate is. And so that's, I love that. And hopefully, you know, it pays off for Cade because these two are going to be compared their whole careers. And one last thing I'll note, by the way, is that just because Jalen Green might be averaging a crazy amount of points down the line doesn't mean that he's necessarily the better player than Cade, especially, you know, we'll have to look at team success and stuff like that because Jalen Green can take 50 shots a game. And if his team's still losing, it doesn't matter. So We'll see. I mean, you know, I wish him a great career, but I'm just saying from a Pistons fan perspective, he's starting to really piss us off a little bit. Yeah, no, I was... uh, You want to go ahead? No, I was just going to say, like, going off of what you were saying, like, also, everyone flipped out after the first first, uh, er, summer league game when when Jalen Green had whatever 20 some odd points and then Cade went whatever like five for 17 but yeah you can you you can go ahead but I no no uh I was about to say I just love how Cade just hasn't said anything about it and it's just like Jalen Green is like even just recently with like the 2k ratings for example like so uh Cade's with Ronnie Singh and also, that's a different thing. You know, Ronnie Singh is a, you know, that's Ronnie 2K, whatever. He's with Ronnie 2K. They're discussing ratings. Kate says he should be an 80. And then uh, Ronnie 2K asked him, you know, how how would you increase your rating? He wants to be like an 88 overall. That's what he said. And he said, you know, just winning. He just said, I just want the team to win. Jalen Green gets asked the same question. He says he was a 79. He wants to go to an 85. He's just like, how are you going to achieve that? And Jalen Green's like, win rookie of the year. So you can just kind of already like, kind of see like the differences between the two players and yeah I think like the more and more time goes on like I think Pistons fans especially with this now are feeling okay we made we made the right pick it's also kind of funny to me too like how Cade was literally the number one player throughout like the entire draft process and also Jalen Green the team the Houston Rockets that selected you they were trying to get Cade too so it's not like (laughs) like I think every team wanted Cade number one I don't think like it was like I don't think that's a secret. So like, I find that part kind of funny too, just like how it works and how just now he's just getting all mad. And I was really rooting for the Rockets. Like I was rooting for Jalen Green. I want to see him ball out, but like now it's just like, nah, I guess, I guess now it's a rivalry and we got an ESPN game for the Rockets. So, you know, that's, that's always good to see for sure. Can I just add real quick too? The Pistons were the only team that were considering Jalen Green at number one. And I, I know that they were the only team obviously that had number one, but the Rockets wanted Cade, like you said, Vinay. 
And the every other team, because there were so many reports of what scouts were saying between the two, they wanted Cade, and they thought Cade was by far the best player in this draft. The Pistons took so long to come to a conclusion on Cade Cunningham versus Jalen Green. And sure, maybe a lot of it was just smoke screens by Troy Weaver, but they absolutely loved Jalen Green and they at least gave him, you know, all the smoke screens and stuff that he could go number one. And so I don't, I just don't get like the, you know, the big chip on his shoulder of not liking Detroit playing Rio. Like it just, I don't get it. And again, He's going to have a great career, but Pistons fans just worry about Cade and what this team does. There's no point in comparing them because Cade was going to go number one in this draft. I also want to point out, because Vinaya, you just pointed that out, and I didn't even think about talking about this, but that Houston game on ESPN is our only national televised game this season. How, how are we feeling about that? Because we got, we got a couple on NBA TV. I don't but know. Besides that, we didn't. We can get one game on TNT. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I, I was, I saw that. And I was just absolutely shook. I mean, we finally get you know the top prospect, and I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna have at least some national TV games, like maybe three or four at least. No, right. we have one. Meanwhile, like if you count the NBA TV games too as national TV, which it's not counted as by the way, but if you do. That we have four. The Lakers have 42. More than half of their schedule is on national TV between ESPN, ABC, TNT, and NBA TV. Like, I just, at some point, I, I kind of think with the media that you have to like wonder if fans would be more interested in seeing other teams and someone like Cade, you know, a team that has the number one pick versus seeing the Lakers play their. 42nd game on national TV. I just, I don't know. I don't understand it. I right. get that the Pistons weren't great last year, but still I was shocked by it. Right. And I don't, I don't think anyone expects the Pistons to be like really great this year either, but still like, I mean, LeBron doesn't play every night. So like one of those, at least like two or three of those games, he's not going to even be playing. And then you can, Instead, watch like a dynamic young player like Kate. Instead, like I don't, I don't know. I that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like I don't get there that like I don't think the Pistons are going to be that great either. Like we're probably going to be picking the lottery next year again. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was kind of weird. You know. Also, like I remember when like New Orleans got Zion. Now Zion's obviously like a generational prospect. Like I mean, it's a once. You know, you don't get that type of prospect. And Kate wasn't though. I mean, K, K was also, like, there, but I guess maybe Zion. Right. So, here, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. So, like, when New Orleans got Zion, you you knew, like, every Nick game was, like, televised. Like, I swear to God, like, every single new Pelicans game, there were so many of them televised. I think, though, like, the problem with Cade, which is not a problem, but it's just, like, people just want to see the flashy. You know, this is why I think players are, people are going to see Jalen Green dunking, and they're going to be like, oh, you know, he's so much better than Cade. People just want to see stuff like that, and then, you know, Cade's not like a flashy player, but you know, Cade's a winning. He's just gonna make the right plays for the team to win. So, like, I guess in that way, maybe they don't want to see that. But like, it's weird. Like, I guess like I was I was expecting at least like four. Like, I was I was going into this expecting like we were gonna get national TV games, and I guess for us to only get one, and it's not even like they didn't even pick the right Rockets game. We're literally at the Rockets. That doesn't make any sense. If anything, it should be Jalen Green at Detroit. You know, but you know that's that's whatever. But 
I think, yeah, one game, like you said, it's just, it's just disrespectful <laughs> to the Pistons, honestly. And yeah, you know, like they say, it's Detroit versus the media, Detroit versus everybody in that way, for sure. I mean, I don't even think it's like that, but still, like, it's not even like the Pistons are a small market team. Like they're, they're, a, the Pistons are a larger market than the Pelicans. Like, and like, they're, they're a larger market than like, shit, they might even be a larger market than the Bucks. Just, I mean, I get the Bucks just won a ring, but like historically, they're a top ten team in the league, probably top, I don't know, like five seven ish range. But still, like, I don't know, it just didn't really make that much sense, especially for a team that just got the number one pick. All right, so do you guys want to go into the next segment? Y'all want to go into it? All right, so this is something we're trying new here. Uh, we're going to spin the wheel. Uh, I'm going to share my screen, too. I know the people on the pod can't see this. This is bad podcasting, but that's, you know, we got to do what we got to do. So we're about to spin the wheel. And whichever team this lands on, we're just going to discuss basically our thoughts on the team, their direction, whatever basically comes to mind. And this probably will be something we could start doing just like, in general, with the regular season, we're probably going to spin the wheel, maybe watch a couple of games and give our thoughts on the team. But yeah, so I'm going to just spin this wheel. Uh, y'all can't obviously see it on the podcast. We'll see where it lands. It lands on the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. So <laughs> I guess we're discussing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, What's there to discuss? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> right. Hey. Actually, no, they did. They got Patrick Beverly back on the team. Um, you know, I think I'm this is like even just getting general. I think the Timberwolves are in like a really like dire position. Like they they haven't made the playoffs. They're still going with Carl uh, Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, you know. And I don't know, like I part of me feels like, you know, they don't make the playoffs. Like, like, what is the direction? You know, what are they doing? Are they going to, like, trade Towns? Like, I don't know if that's what they want to build. They have Anthony Edwards, so he's a really nice piece. But, like, it like, the future looks bright in Minnesota. But at the same time, like, I feel like they've been rebuilding for, like, forever. You know, I've it's been a while since they've been, like, relevant. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I don't know, I've been a big fan, honestly, of the Timberwolves recently. Or not recently, but... um when they got towns and then when they got Russell too, I thought that would work out. But even back to the Jimmy Butler year, like I I've been thinking the Timberwolves are going to take this next step and finally be a playoff team. And they just, they never do it. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's because, um, you know, to be fair, they had an awful coach and uh, Sanders, I think was his name. And I don't know if it's them not using their skill sets correctly, but I mean, I don't know, but the best that they've done the last, what, 15, 17 years actually um, has been getting the eight seed in the Western conference and losing in the first round of the Houston Rockets, I believe in 2018, yeah, that was the year they had Jimmy yeah. Butler and they won one game in that series. Like that's the best that they've done since Kevin Garnett. And I think, Oh, for the early two thousands, and so you just have to ask, like, at what point do you just blow it all up and move on from these pieces? I think they have a great piece in Anthony Edwards. I really like him. Um, you know, he needs to maybe shoot a little bit better um, and his shot selection could be a lot better. But 
he had a fantastic rookie season. Um, and so from there, I don't know, because D'Angelo Russell hasn't, he didn't have a good season. Um, and his fit next to Anthony Edwards wasn't that great. And then Carl Anthony Towns, again, they've had for five, six years now, and he's constantly been labeled, labeled as the best, the next best center in the league. That was a little tongue twist right there, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. Jared, they also picked Jared Culver two years ago. That pick didn't work out. They just traded him for like a second round pick too. I think like, he was in the PBF. He was he in was the, a, yeah, oh, he, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He was in the Beverly trade. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of think that they need to blow it up and build around Ant, but We'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting season. I agree with you, Vinayke. It's like it's it's do or die this next season. They they have to either perform or just blow it up. I think Jimmy Butler just broke that team. Like like he just broke that team when he took all the like third string dudes and just beat like Carl Anthony Towns and whoever the rest of the starters were. Like I don't know. Like I think Cat in terms of like building around a team in terms of Anthony Edwards, D'Lo and cat, I think cats, the, the best building block of the three, but I don't know. Like, I, I think D'Lo he's, he's on a decline for sure. Like, I think he, he's kind of done Anthony Edwards. I don't know. Like he's again, he's a great scorer, but we talked about this with Jalen green. Like, is he going to score a ton for you or is he going to win a ton for you? Like there, like there's difference in that, but I mean, yeah, like cat cat, I think is their only real, like legit building block. Um, they got other dudes like Malik Beasley had, I think that's Malik Beasley. He had a solid season last year. Um, he's actually in jail for a I, little bit. <laughs> no, who was the dude who they, they had a bat? They had like a, a role player that like yeah, he didn't have a solid season. <laughs> I don't know if he no nah, no. Nah, there was somebody. There was somebody. One of their role players had like a breakout year. I can't remember. Was it maybe Jaden McDaniel? He had a really good year for them. Okay, it might have it, it might have been oh. him, but some one of their dudes had like a breakout. Like one of their role players had like a breakout year. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe not in jail, but uh. <laughs> Oh wait, no, no, you're right. It was it was Malik Beasley. Uh, That's what I thought. But he did just get a like 120 day jail sentence or something like that. I only know that because I saw a picture really... of him, like of him just saying, "I'm." I didn't even know that. I, I I didn't know that happened like at all. But yeah, no, it was him because he he averaged like 20 points a game last year, and he like came out on the scene and like. Yeah, he had he had solid stats and was like a solid wing player. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's just no direction. It, it really reminds me of like the Pistons with Drummond, where it's just like they're just stuck in mediocrity, and it just they just have no direction. And granted, the West is tough as hell. Like the the West is so hard to like even make the playoffs. Um. I think I do think like a team like Memphis too got a lot better. Um, I think a team like Sacramento's on the rise because they got three good, really good guards. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just gonna be hard for them, and I think they'll be uh, picking in the lottery again. And I think I think the Wiggins, 
the Wiggins for D'Lo trade, I think I don't I don't even know because I think both of the both of the teams lost that. Because I don't think Wiggins is great on Golden State or like yeah, I don't know. He it just doesn't really seem like a, a great fit for him. But yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Vinayak? No, yeah. Uh, actually, with the Wiggins trade, I will say they did get Jonathan Kaminga, who also has another name. We won't say it. We, we, we'll well, keep, yeah. He, okay. Yeah. No, that, okay. That is a win. Like the draft picks are a win, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think the Wiggin, Wiggins and D'Lo both lost. Yeah, in no. In terms definitely. of that. No, definitely. But as far as like the Timberwolves, so I will give him like, like one thing that we, I guess we forgot to mention though, like last year, I know D'Lo and Kate and Carlton Towns were like injured for like a large portion. And, you know, when they did play together, like for the la- last portion of the season, there were a couple of games above 500. But like, is that really like the ceiling? Is that really, <laughs> is that really what you're striving for just to make? But, you know, there are teams like Sacramento and like the Timberwolves, you know, just making the playoffs, they would kill to be the Pacers. You feel me? Like the Pacers are a team where they make the playoffs and they get losing the first round. But I feel like teams like the Kings and the Timberwolves would just want that. They just want just to make the playoffs consistently. And I think, I guess the Timberwolves will have a shot to make the plan. I think Patrick Beverly is actually a really good addition to the team. He's kind of like a Jimmy Butler type player who, I mean, he's obviously not no Jimmy. He's not Jimmy Butler, but you know, he'll bring that aggression. You know, he's obviously a pesky defender. He, he gets hated around the league. And I think the Timberwolves may need someone, some some attitude, I guess, you know, because D'Lo is a little bit, you know, he's a little bit too nice with it, you know, with the ice in his veins, you know. So I think. Cat <laughs> beefs with uh, with Joel Embiid. Yeah, I think ha- adding someone like Patrick Beverly will help Cat in his like, you know, if he has beef with Joel, when he has beef with Joel Embiid, I think that'll give him some more personality, some more flair. And I think, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's really do or die. Like it's. I don't, I think they should heavily consider rebuilding, but you know, it, it, it does, it does say that like, should that they've been rebuilding for like, yeah, like you said, like the last 15 years. So like, I don't even know where you go from there. It's kind of, it's kind of a bad situation, but they do have Anthony Edwards though. So, I mean, there's some, there's some hope, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, they've made like a couple of late first round picks that have been actually solid, like Jaden McDaniels last year. Um, he actually had a pretty good rookie season. He was really good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like Aiden was mentioning, Malik Beasley was actually solid. Now, if he gets to play basketball in jail or not, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> uh, he's out. He's out. He's out. I think he's good. No blood, <laughs> no foul. There you go. But no, I mean, yeah, I I guess my view on the Timberwolves is I would say try it out one more year. Because, again, like you guys were saying, D'Lo was hurt last year for quite a bit. And so that is part of my memory of this past season is Russell was actually, he was coming off the bench for quite a bit um, just in his recovery. And so, you know, you can try it out, see if it works. Cause again, Edwards and D'Lo haven't played that much together. Um, and I do think Beverly is a good addition, especially next to someone like Anthony Edwards and kind of like Aiden was saying earlier, you do need kind of that scary guy on your team in order to win. Um, and so I, I think you try it out another year, but if that doesn't work, I really think because Carl Anthony Towns, he's not to be fair, he's not old by any means. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think, I think he's like what 26, yeah, I think he's 26 or 27 right now. Um, and so he's not old by any means, but you have to ask at some point, 
when can you get the most value for this guy if you're just not figuring it out? And so Anthony Edwards is a lot younger. I would, in my opinion, I would say he has um, more value on the trade block, at least if he has another good season next year um, than Carl Anthony Towns, but we'll see. So it's, it's a big season for the Timberwolves. I could see them possibly sneaking into the playoffs, but again, like you guys said, the Western conference is so tough. I mean, they're not beating the Lakers realistically. They're not beating Dallas. They're not beating Golden State at full health. They're not beating, man, I'm blanking on other teams, the Clippers, Jazz. They're not beating all those teams. And so it's like, do you really want to just go for the eight seed and be stuck in that, you know, mediocre purgatory? Or do you just blow it up and try to build something special? Also, one more yeah. one more thing. Uh, I just want to add this real quick. It also must hurt for Conley Towns to see Devin Booker who went to also went to Kentucky, same draft class, just thrived so much in Phoenix, going to the finals, and he still just made the playoffs only one time. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. Nah, yeah. I mean, I was just gonna, I was just gonna add quickly off what Neil like. I was just gonna, I was about to say what Neil was about to say about like you need one of those like scrappy dudes who's just will be on your ass at all times. And I think Carl Anthony Towns had that with Jimmy Butler and didn't really accept it. But I think second time around with someone like that, I think he will I think he will appreciate it more because Jimmy Butler <laughs> went to a finals with the Heat, which was kind of yeah, no one was really expecting the Heat to make the finals in the bubble. So like and Jimmy Butler is just like he's just he's just that dude where he would just be on your ass about stuff. And Pat Beverly is like that too. So I think he'll appreciate it more. I think Anthony Edwards. I don't know. I don't know how he'll accept it or not, but I think if he doesn't, Carl Anthony Towns will definitely talk to him about it too. But yeah. Yeah. And I think also another thing is that I think Towns is like, he's gotten a lot wiser. Uh, I think some of the comments I've seen him made recently about winning show that he really cares a lot more about winning now. And so I think he's wised up a lot with that. Also, to be fair to Carl Anthony Towns, he's had a rough, you know, last year or two with the loss of his mom and some other family members. Um, and so I think everything has kind of led him to wise up a little bit. And he's at that point in his career, again, he's 26 years old, that he needs to decide, you know, what's important and that should be winning. And so if that is important, then maybe we see a trade request later. And so... Yeah, we'll see. Again, I cannot emphasize enough, as you guys have been saying, this season is so important for them because I don't, there's no way that they keep the same core of Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns um, past this next season if they don't make the playoffs. I just don't see that happening. I think, I think we see that with a lot of what you were saying about, like, yeah about like wising up and stuff. I think we see a lot of that in like a lot of first round or first overall picks where they're, they're a little naive about like, Hey, I got drafted number one. Like you should be, you should be looking at me. Like, and then you got guys like Jimmy Butler who was like the last pick in the first round or like Pat, did Pat Beverly even get drafted? I don't even know. I don't think, I don't think. He got <laughs> exactly. So like guys who had to work their way there, like, I think, yeah, I think they see it a lot differently than guys like Carl Anthony Towns. And I, I'm not, like, uh, calling him out specifically, but I think a lot of first overall picks have been like that. And 
I mean, I don't know if we should worry about that with Cade because I do think he handles himself well, and I don't think that will be that big of a problem with him. But yeah, I think I think that's just a a problem in general with top picks and like guys who were you know number two or number three in the draft have been like more successful with like a chip on their shoulder, sort of. But yeah, I don't know. That's just my observation. Oh yeah. Um, uh, just one more uh, uh clarification. Patrick Beverly actually was drafted uh, in two thousand nine with the forty second pick. So. For everyone fact checking, but yeah, he's a second rounder. He's a second, so like, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. The fact checkers yeah, are gonna be honest in today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, got to get more point. But anyway, guys, so as we like we wrap it up, I think uh, we can get into our like final segment. We did this last week. If for those of us, for those who listened to our last podcast, where we pick an award and then we give a prediction. Two for, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we oh, didn't yeah, we didn't do one last week. Yeah, we didn't do one. <laughs> <laughs> we we get we okay, get slow, you know. Okay. The off season slow now, but uh, you know, we're gonna do a uh, defensive player of the year for both the Pistons and then I guess for the for the NBA overall. So I know this is like kind of this is something you kind of have to think about defensive player. You know, it's easy to name MVP. It's easy to get say like six man or other ones, but defensive player of the year, you really have to think like, do you just pick Rudy Gobert or do you, or do you uh, pick something else? You know, do you guys have like any initial thoughts on like? who you're leaning towards for both the Pistons and NBA? I think for the Pistons, it's got to be Isaiah Stewart. At least that's my opinion. Uh, I think he looked fantastic defensively last season in the bit that he played. Like he's, he's a great rim defender. I know he's a little bit undersized, like six foot eight, six foot nine, but he looked great um, down low. And so, you know, he also has quick hands to get steals and stuff like that. So I think it has to be Isaiah Stewart. In general, we've talked about it before, but I think he has a, a breakout year this next year. So, and I think that will carry over defensively. And then when it comes to defensive player of the year in the league, it's it's hard not to say Rudy Gobert. I know that's the obvious pick, and that's something that, I'll, that everyone will say, but he's won, what, two, three years in a row or, not, or something now? Um, I mean – He's just, he's so good defensively and whether or not his game is there offensively and he actually helps the jazz win a championship, that doesn't matter when it comes to the DPOY conversation. Um, and so in my opinion, I think it would be, a, would be Gobert. Um, I do also like Bam Adebayo. I think he could take that next step. I know this past year he's been, uh, he had been talking a lot of winning that award Um and then obviously it didn't go his way. I don't think he was even a finalist for it. Um, but I, I could see him taking another step this next year. Yeah, Bam out of bio was who I was gonna say. But I mean, like Rudy Gobert just being whatever, seven two, seven three, and then like Giannis won it, which was kind of weird, but I don't know, like being a six eleven or like seven foot perimeter defender will definitely help you in that case but uh I think for Pistons yeah I do think it it will be Isaiah Stewart or honestly Jeremy Grant because I do think Jeremy Grant has been like a lockdown defender um over the years and he's still improving his game offensively and defensively and you could probably even see him be like first or second team all defense this year maybe I don't know I'm just spitballing but like 
Yeah, Bam Bam Adebayo would probably be my pick because uh, I do think he's been improving a lot. And Miami just had like a lot of injuries, and they just kind of moved around a lot last season. And I think they're they're going to be set this year with uh, with Lowry and Butler and then Bam. So yeah, who do you think Vinayak? Yeah. Okay. So for the Pistons, I'll go a little a different one. I'll go uh, Killian Hayes. Um, I thought he played really good defense in the summer league, actually, and especially on Jalen Green when they did match up. I thought he did a really good job because Jalen Green is like as athletic of a guard as it gets, and he held his own. Now Killian Hayes can't really do much like offensively, and you we can like art talk about you know his struggles and his struggles with his shooting and stuff. But if there's one thing that like he's consistent at, or actually two things is his passing is good and his defense is really good. So I think Killian Hayes is probably my pick for the Pistons defensive player of the year and he, defensive player of the year. I guess we're going to call that for the Pistons. Yeah. I think it'd be, he'll be a solid defender overall. And if him and Cade end up starting, I think, I mean, there's a reason a lot of people say it's going to be a really good defensive backcourt. So I think Killian Hayes will play a big part. And as far as defensive player of the year for the league, um, Rudy Gobert, like, I, I respect Rudy Gobert. Like, he's a really good defender. But I don't know. I find it hard to see him win after what the Clippers did to the, <laughs> the Clippers, like, going small just really just took him out the game. And I felt so bad because it wasn't really even, like, his fault. Like, what's he going to do? He can't just, like, he has to protect the paint and he has to go guard Terrence Mann from the corner. Like, it was it was a tough situation. But I'll, I'll pick uh, – he's had a – I'll pick this player. He's had a rough go, but I'll pick Ben Simmons wherever – wherever he goes now ben simmons can't do much he can't shoot although if y'all saw the tw- if you if y'all saw the twitter there was a video of ben simmons it was like how many point guards can do this and he just came off a screen <laughs> he just did a crossover and dunked and it was just the most basic play ever but um ben simmons is a good defender like i know like i didn't even know this up until this year that he's a really good defender and you know maybe he'll get some recognition maybe this year he'll get some recognition for his defense not as other stuff you can He's not that, you know, he's not an offensive player, but he, he's wasn't, he's wasn't he first team all defense this year? Yeah. And he, I think he was yeah. the runner up to Rudy Gobert. So, you know, why not let's give him some award? You know, he's been struggling. The Philadelphia 70s are probably going to trade him, you know, boost his ego up a little bit. I know he's like, he's probably that type of player too. He needs those awards for sure. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, y'all have any other final thoughts before we wrap up the podcast or. I don't know. I just want. Oh, now you go ahead. I was just gonna say, I talked about a little bit about this earlier, but the um show chips with Draymond Green, um, the the interview with Kevin Durant, um, that was really really good interview. You should watch it if you haven't. Um, really goes in in depth about the Golden State Warriors and that dynasty, and the basketball IQ between the two of them is just like off the charts. So it is really good. If you're a basketball junkie, you should watch it. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to add um, with the defensive player of the year award too. I think part of those awards is also winning by the way. Uh, like you need to be on a good team and I feel like the Heat are going to be a little bit better than they were last year. So I, I do see Bam getting a lot more recognition. And then to what you guys were saying, it is, I feel like Gobert's, um, I don't know, portrayal or the way people see him has kind of been tarnished a little bit um, just because of the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I feel like if there's any year for 
you know, the defensive player of the year to not be Gobert, it's definitely this season. So that'll be an interesting award to watch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I also second what Aiden said about chips. It's an amazing interview. And I can't wait to see what Draymond Green does with other guests. But anyway, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who made it through the full episode. You know, props to you all for getting through this episode for sure. And yeah, check us out on our social media. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter at the Three Rings Podcast. And yeah, um, yeah, catch you guys later. Peace, y'all. See ya. Like and subscribe. (laughs) 